0: yo 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 welcome to the two shades of blue podcast my name is royal howell my co-host terrence hatchett and today ladies and gentlemen we have a very very wild wild show regarding all type of scandals sagas a bunch of drama but let's get right into it man um today news broke from inside carolina that your boy walker kessler five-star recruit UNC um, Big announced that he was going to be entering his name into the transfer portal. And let's cut it like this. All hell broke loose over social media, including Twitter, where you have fans going in his neck, asking why, what's the type of system, what's the chemistry at UNC, what type of culture is going on at UNC. And then you have parents who were sending cryptic tweets about um, the program and I guess, you can say one thing, the best and well-being for their kids' future, uh, including your own Armando Baycott, who father basically went in on Twitter. Uh, you had Caleb Lovefather go in on Twitter also, um, who ultimately ended up deleting his tweets. But, you know, once you hit that send button, the stuff is already out there in the social media atmosphere. Um, even in the Hill House, you heard all type of rumors of players leaving. Um, there were text messages and emails being floated around on Twitter. Um, you had your own uh, Kiara Luck, who writes for the Carolina, um, the Carolina Tar Heels, who said last week after the Wisconsin game that, you know, there will be some players transferring. And for those that are unfamiliar with the whole transfer scheme, the transfer scheme this year for um, uh, college basketball um, the NCAA, due to the COVID restrictions and COVID pandemic, granted all players a extra year of eligibility. So it's almost like this season doesn't even exist um, per se. So um, your players like Garrison Brooks, who is also rumored to be transferring um, you know, graduated. Um, his father is also an assistant coach at Mississippi State. If he wanted to, he could just opt out and leave. You heard after the press conference um, last week after the loss, you know, to Wisconsin that uh, Garrison said that he was going to weigh his options on potentially playing elsewhere, uh, returning to UNC, or ultimately going pro. So, you know, all hell broke loose. Uh, Darren, you know, Darren Sharp, the other uh, rookie sensation, freshman sensation, um, is rumored to be leaving um, Caleb Love, RJ Davis, this is just all hell broke loose today. I um, want get your thoughts on the team. What is the culture at UNC? Because you alluded to this months ago, almost a year ago, that something had to change at UNC because in this day and age in basketball, it's almost like um, everything's outgrowing the old ways where you had, you know, you're, you're, so, you're so stuck in your system. You're so stuck in your ways. Um, even Coach K to a point – a couple of years ago, where he was so stuck on playing man defense when they went zone with Marvin Bagley and Grayson Allen, they were literally one shot from going to the Final Four. So it's almost like you get so stuck in your ways at times that you refuse to adapt to the new day and age culture. T, give me your thoughts. Um, I don't care if you let loose on this topic because you've been alluding to this for months now, almost a year now, about the culture needing to be changed at UNC. Give me your thoughts on the whole UNC situation, the players reportedly wanting to transfer and what are your thoughts on coach Williams um being so stuck on the loyalty at UNC
1: oh man uh it's funny man because I um I tweeted at Tide today because I remember when we signed Cole Anthony she said it's going to be interesting to see how UNC starts handling getting these five-star high-profile recruits again because let's be clear we lucked into Nasir Little he was a the number three overall rated player in his class, but it wasn't for the NCAA investigation. The city little really doesn't come to UNC. He's going to Arizona. We just lucked up in getting him. Uh Kobe White, I mean, yeah, he was a five-star player, but he didn't have that one-and-done hype. So he was like, that class was really the first class that we got after the scandal that you could just say was a strong class. Then we bring in Cole Anthony. Cole Anthony... Tried everything he could, but, you know, with the lack of shooters and Roy Williams system, it just wasn't a good fit. I mean, we've seen what Cole Anthony's done in the NBA when he has some shooting can't really knock him or the, or the coach for that matter, because a lot of guys left after 2019. I don't think Roy anticipated Kobe White leaving and being, you know, having the season that he had and being a one and done. Um, and then this year, you bring in six players. Four of them were, what, McDonald's All-Americans? Like four of them, Dayron, Kessler, Caleb, All-Americans. And RJ was a borderline five-star. So you had at least three All-Americans on this team. And you had some veteran guys like Andrew Playtech, who got more minutes than Walker Kessler. You know, Andrew Playtech averaged 13 minutes. Again. You know, Walker Kessler only averaged eight. And I know they play different positions, but Walker Kessler is way more talented than Andrew Playtech um in my opinion Garrison Brooks underachieved this year and Mm -hmm. Dayron and Kessler both could have gripes with Garrison Brooks getting even minutes as he's gotten because we know Roy Williams likes his seniors and his Mm -hmm. upperclassmen and um you know back in the day where guys stayed three or four years and you were loyal I mean you that works but this is a different time in basketball man like these guys coming into college they want to play immediately They're not trying to be patient Um, with the transfer rules. There's so many more options. Guys can just up and leave whenever they want. Um, The UNC system, people have been complaining about the system, me included. I think Roy has to really take a hard look at what he's doing because you can't have two traditional bigs on the floor in 2021. It doesn't work. Mm -hmm. UNC hasn't been great on offense in two years. So let's take it back to 2018, 2019. Why was that UNC team so good at offense, even though they got bounced in the Sweet 16 to Auburn? Auburn just couldn't miss that day. That was a Final Four championship-caliber team. You can admit that. That 2019 UNC team was a championship-caliber team, just like that Duke team was that year, but both teams came up short. It's a one-and-done scenario in the tournament, and unfortunately on any given day a team can get hot or they just play better for you that one day. But that UNC team had Kobe White, Elite offensive player can shoot Kenny Williams, streaky guy, but when he was on, he could definitely knock him down. Mm -hmm. Cam Johnson, elite shooter. Mm -hmm. Luke May, a stretch four that we don't usually have at UNC, but he was really the key to why that offense was such a good offense that year. When you have a stretch four like that, and it creates floor spacing and balance on the floor. It makes it easier for Nasir Little to drive to the rack. It makes it easier for Kobe White to drive to the rack. Since then, what's happened? UNC has not had any floor spacing at all. Cole Anthony went through hell last year at UNC trying to get to the rim because five guys were literally just packing the paint in, and we don't have that shooting outside. It makes it very, very difficult in today's game of basketball to get to the rim mm-hmm. when you don't have that shooting, especially when you can't draw those rim protectors away from the rim. This year, let's look at what's happened this year. Caleb Love in high school was a two-guard. He wasn't a point guard in high school. And he hadn't learned to play point guard for Roy Williams. And we, you know, we talked to B Robin Kenny Williams a few weeks ago, and they said how hard it was to play for Roy Williams as a point guard. So you got Caleb Love learning a new position on the fly, but he can't really play his game. He's a downhill drive-to-the-basket type of guard, he's not a shooter.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But he can't get to the rim or finish the fact that the rim when you got five guys inside the three point line guarding us. I remember it was against Stanford or Texas, one of them games. Hell, both of them really. And most teams did this to us all year. I literally saw five Stanford defenders guarding inside the three point line. Roy, you and I have coached basketball a long time. Mm -hmm. In middle school, you don't do that anymore because guys are shooting threes in middle school. Exactly. In high school, they don't do that anymore. You know how – like, it's very rare to see five guys guarding inside the three-point line. Um, Is that
0: – like, let me ask you this, T, because, you know, and we've said this many occasions, to beat this UNC team, a lot of teams were just packing the paint like you just alluded to, um, you know, the old-school Virginia pack-line defense where basically you just just packing the interior and you're forcing and daring the shooter's – Um, to just shoot and gun on the perimeter. And basically, a lot of times they're being baited to taking those shots. Not necessarily meaning it's the best shot, but it's the shot that they found on that specific possession that they could take that they thought that was just a good shot to hit. And if you're breaking and you don't have anybody that's consistently hitting shots from the outside, like for this UNC team, we know that Karen Walton was literally the only threat from deep that was hitting on a consistent basis. And when he's not hitting in the bigs of UNC or not dominating on the interior, where you had Darren Sharp, who led the country in offensive rebounding percentage. You had UNC, like I mentioned many times before, whenever they were ranked – last time they were ranked top five in the country in offensive rebounding, they won a national championship. I think it was like 2017, I believe. Like, this team lacks shooting. Does a lot of this come down to recruiting? Because, you know, in Royal Williams' system in the past, He's been stuck on developing players. Um, I think more so the Kobe White kind of changed that trend where you had a one and done, Or Cam Johnson, who, in my opinion, exceeded expectations where he came in and literally tore it up where he was a first-team All-ACC, I believe. Um, a first-round draft pick, um, I think, to with the Phoenix Suns, I believe. Yeah. Um, does a lot of this come down to recruiting for Roe Williams? Or is it just he's getting the best available player out there because his system seems more, in my opinion, watching from the outside in, built the long players staying for two to three years, uh, three to four years. I mean, even if you look at Caleb Love coming into this season, you know, um, big time recruit coming out of high school, uh, potential NBA draft lottery pick. I think number nine, when I saw before he came to UNC, um, it's safe to say that stock has dropped drastically going, you know, after this season, potentially we're at a point where it's almost like a Trayvon Trade of Duvall uh, Trayvon, um, Trayvon situation at Duke where, in my opinion, Tray, his stock was the highest before he ever stepped foot on, foot inside Cameron Indoor Stadium. Um, playing at Duke pretty much, the system ruined his style of play because it's more surrounded around having shooters, like in this situation, Cable Love. He thrived in transition. He thrived attacking the basket, but like you mentioned before, UNC – Um, the lane was so clogged up at times all season long. If you want to just keep it real with you, the lane was always clogged up. It kind of hurt his style of play. In my opinion, watching Caleb Love, he thrives in transition. He he thrives in attacking a basket. But it's hard to attack the basket when you got two bigs, two traditional centers in this day and age in college basketball in the lane. You have one shooter um, who, when he's not hitting, is basically a flaw on the floor because his defense, yeah, it did improve a lot, but let's just keep it real. Current Walton is not a known Kenny Williams, Brandon Robinson type of perimeter threat on the defensive end. Um what does all this allude to the recruiting round for Roy Williams? Like where do where does UNC go right now? Because you know you have transfers that are still entering the name into the protocol where they could potentially play this year coming up for UNC, but what does Roy Williams do in regards to recruiting for UNC coming up this
1: season? Um, to answer your first question, um, who, as far as recruiting, I mean, I think it's two things. It's recruiting, Roy Williams' stubbornness to adapt to the modern game, and player development, which player development has been one of the main gripes coming out from parents and from reports, you know, guys saying that, you know, they weren't being developed properly or they didn't fit the system, which I have questions about guys being recruited that, they say they don't fit the system. So what does that say about them knowing that they come to Carolina and, there's, and they don't fit the system? Like, there's a disconnect somewhere between player and coach when it comes to recruiting. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as what Carolina does next, I mean, they got DeMarco Dunn from Fayetteville, North Carolina. Um, say he's a knockdown shooter. Um, Dontre Styles from Kinston, a 3-4 hybrid. He could probably stretch the floor. But I'm going to get back to the player development point because this has been a gripe for years. Remember when J.P. Tokoro left UNC? Mm-hmm. What was the number one thing he said while he was leaving? Because people were stunned that he was leaving. He said it wasn't player being developed. developed. Yep. So I'm in this uh, Heels Out group chat because I don't uh, have the clubhouse app because I have an Android, but that's neither here nor there. So um, Kier posted a podcast I think she recorded last year with David Noel, and they brought Joel Barry on, um, and – the issue of player development was brought up. And David Noel asked Joel Berry, did he get better at UNC or did he get more comfortable in the system? And Joel honestly answered that he felt like he got more comfortable in the system. And both of them agreed that player development is an issue at UNC. David Noel, a guy that played on the 05 championship team, had a good senior year at 06 is saying that player development is a problem. Then you got Joe Barry, a four-year star- um, starter, basically, point guard that led us to a title in 2017. Even he admits that player development could be better. They brought up um, an example of a couple guys. I'm not going to say their names because I don't want to make it yes. seem like I'm criticizing them. Absolutely. But let's just look at this team. For example, when Leaky Black came in, and this is not a criticism of Leaky Black, but this is just a fact. He was a highly tied recruit. And has he gotten better since he's been at UNC, in your opinion, Royal? No. Leaky Black has all the tools and the size to be a first round draft pick. But what's the one thing that he had, cannot really do on a consistent basis? He can't shoot. He Thank cannot you. shoot. Thank if you. He,
0: if he could shoot, in my opinion, this is just my honest opinion. If Leaky Black could consistently hit shots...
1: He's a first-round draft pick.
0: He's a first-round draft pick. He does the same exact stuff that Theo Pinson did at UNC, but in my opinion, his wingspan is a little bit longer. He may be a little bit more athletic than um, Theo. I think Theo was a better defender on the perimeter, but Leaky, I mean, that's no slouch. Theo is literally, in my opinion, probably a first-team all NCAA type of defender on the perimeter. Leaky my- is a great defender. He's very athletic, but he cannot shoot. And a lot of times when teams are playing against UNC... They're literally daring him to shoot. He, His range, in my opinion, is anywhere from like maybe the 15, 10 to 15 jump shot area. Not shooting behind the three-point line, but teams know that he can't shoot, so they're consistently leaving him open to basically bait him to shooting them shots. If he can hit those jump shots, Carolina would take off this year, like drastically. If he yeah. would just consistently hit jump shots – that's another dimension for Williams Williams for this team that was so clogged up and stagnant on the interior. And that's no knock on the interior. The interior, um, UNC's post was arguably the best post in the ACC, top ten in the country, especially in offensive rebounding, second-chance points. But what hurt them was not having a consistent deep threat outside of Kerwin Walton.
1: Yeah, and – I've read somebody posted in the uh, little group chat that I'm in, and I don't know if Roy said this or not, but he said that he wanted to use Walker Kessler in a Luke May type of role. But when Walker Kessler was on the floor, he was in the paint. He wasn't He wasn't picking and popping. Mm-hmm. He wasn't stretching the floor. Um. And people, you know, some of the gripes have been fit in the system, system and fit. Well, I can definitely see why Walker Kessler has a gripe. Because if Roy said that he was going to use him a certain way, then when he gets out there and he's just in the paint the whole time and he's just getting – most of the productions coming off of offensive rebounds and a few post-ups here and there or running the floor, but he really was possibly – because I can't confirm if this was true or not, but he was going to be using a Luke May stretch four or five type of role. I didn't see him not one time picking pop, not once this year. Not
0: once the entire season. Now, that makes me – that runs me back to this point – for Walker to leave after this season, knowing that UNC, poten- you know, potentially maybe losing Daron Sharp to the NBA, um, you know, the NBA built all potential. Uh, he, in my opinion, is definitely a first-round pick. Uh, Garrison Brooks, who has alluded to maybe transferring, um, potentially going to play for his pops, that's an option, um, could go to the NBA, which I think that he'll be better suited returning, um, maybe not at UNC for another year, but somewhere else. And then you also have Armando Baycott, another big, For yeah. Walker Kessler to leave. It almost says something that's going on inside the program is almost as if, are the players being promised playing time or, or, pro, or certain promises that are not being received on a player's end, because it Roe Williams always preaches and almost any coach that coaches basketball will preach this. Everything is earned, not given. And you heard rumors and you heard, I mean, you hear other players, especially on the Hill House, that have alluded to Walker, you know, getting buckets in practice, like at times, seem like the best big him and Darren Sharp tandem killing players in practice.
1: I, I didn't want to I don't want to interrupt you. Can I say something real quick? That's another yeah, absolutely. Point. One of the other gripes were that guys in scrimmages in practice were absolutely tearing it up, but they weren't getting the minutes that they felt like they deserved in the game, and I'm mm-hmm. glad that you said it was Walker because I didn't know it was Walker. I just saw that that was a mm-hmm. complaint. Mm-hmm. So it really makes sense why Walker Kessler's gone. Um, I don't know where he. I don't know where he's thinking about going. They said Kentucky's a possibility. Mm-hmm. We know that PayPal Cal. Oh uh, yeah, these guys in the NBA. Um, you can't argue for his track record, and the goal for these guys is to go pro, whether it's overseas, G League, NBA, whatever. These guys are here to, to try to make it to the pros one way or another, whether it's overseas, NBA, whatever. And if they're tearing it up in scrimmages and it's not either translating to the game or they're not getting the minutes they feel like they deserve, I'd be a little upset, especially when, and I'm not trying to say this and be harsh, but Garrison was the preseason ACC player of the year and he underachieved this year. I'm just going to call it like I see it. Yeah. You can you can argue that day Ron was better, And then when Walker Kessler finally felt comfortable and with the system where you could argue that Kessler at the end of the year was playing better than Garrison.
0: So with that being said, we know Garrison Brooks was the ACC player of the year. Heck, I even put it in one of our articles for Caroline Blitz that I felt that Garrison Brooks, I think I put that he was potentially going to be the ACC player of the year this year, which I was gladly and sadly mistaken. But with that being said, T, like – what the hell is going on with at UNC when it comes to just like, – like, what is really going on? Like, is Roy Williams living by his standard of – what's the best way to say this? He's choosing seniority over people that are just busting your ass in practice? Like, how can you be so stubborn and stuck in your ways that you allow for this to – like, what's going on at UNC right now? I can't remember the last time anything like this. Like, this has happened in college basketball where you have players – on Twitter, their parents literally, Going you know, tweet things and you know, sending cryptic tweets out. And players unfollowing the team on Twitter and IG, which Armando Bacot did. Which
1: yeah, Bacot's gone. I mean,
0: I, I mean, I can't confirm it.
1: I can't <laughs> confirm it yet because I don't want to. The source that I have for that doesn't doesn't want to really put it out there until it's confirmed. Yeah. But the rum, I mean, the writing's on the wall. His dad is tweeting out cryptic stuff. Bacot unfollowed. You want see on social media? The writing's on the wall.
0: Yeah, it is. It is.
1: Writing's on the wall. Caleb Love is gone. His dad's mm-hmm. tweeting out cryptic stuff. You can just see the body language sometimes. I mean. And I don't think l- – let me let me address this because I've seen some fans straight up lose their damn minds on social
0: media today. And some of the stuff I heard on Hill House. Me and you, we've coached basketball for many, many years under um, Hall of Famer Freddie Johnson out of Greensboro Day, high school back in Greensboro. We know basketball. Like, we know basketball. This is what we do. And some of the tweets I've seen from some of these dumbass—excuse my language—some no, of these dumbass ahead, Keep fans. It wrong, Keep it wrong. Some of these dumbass fans who've never even touched a damn basketball in their life can't play defense, can't play ball at all. But they're—they have like the most to say about dumb stuff at times, man. But some of the stuff I've seen today on social media is just damn right ridiculous. First off, let me address this point. For you to sit here and be a grown ass man, you call like Cape Love. Yeah, okay, he may not shot the ball. He might might have had, like, one of the worst shooting percentages out of any type of potential lottery pick in UNC history. But to sit here and say this man doesn't deserve to play college basketball, like, some of the stuff I've seen is one thing to be a troll, but to be a dumbass troll is just another – it's just a different dimension to it. Like, the kid – when Caleb Love was on, he was on. When he was off, he was off. But don't sit here and say no dumbass stuff like that, man. Like, and for you idiots out here in the world to sit here and go at these women beat writers – the Kiera Lux of the world, the ties the Fritz. Let me get one thing straight right here. Just because they don't have balls and and they're not a man doesn't mean that their opinion and validation doesn't get any type of credit. This is what they do for a living. They get paid to do this for a living. And to sit here and read some of these comments that i read from some of these idiots out here on social media that are more than just trolls, they're just dumbasses just to begin with. Like, these people, they do this for a living. They do this for a job. They get paid to do what they do because they're the best at what they do. And just because they're a woman doesn't mean that you shouldn't just take what they say – Well, you know, don't take it serious. Kiara tweeted this stuff out just last week after the Wisconsin game, literally just tweeted it out, said that there's going to be potential transfers, but, you know, she didn't want to get their names out there. And, you know, just – she wants – like she said today, she wants the player to announce their own story. You don't want to take that time from that person. The same thing that Vashai does. Like, Vashai – she's not gonna sit there and put some BS out there. You know, we, we we represent a brand. So at the end of the day, she wants to make sure that we're representing the brand, you know, professionally, but at the same time you put in work out that you can get, you know, everything's being validated. You want to you be a representation of your product. But to sit here and say that just because they're women that they don't know what the hell they're doing, it's just, it's ridiculous, bro. Like It's just, yeah, it's, just, it's kind it. of sad. It's let really sad. Let me comment on
1: that real quick, man. First off, have these dudes coming at these players and these women came and make a left-handed layup, never made a left-handed layup in their life, never slapped the bat boy, let alone grab the rim or don't look basketball. Second of all, I put money that bash, Kira, whoever that these men are going out with bust these dudes ass on the basketball court. Absolutely. Third, some of the best basketball minds in the world are women. I can go on for days, Doris Burke, Carol Lawson, Stephanie Reddy. I mean, I could go on for days, man. Like, it's ridiculous. Also, let me say this real quick. The NCAA needs to be ashamed of themselves for their weight room situation. That is terrible. First off, to all the idiots that we're talking about, well, well what about the revenue? This is college sports. Remember, these aren't paid professionals. Bingo. There's a thing Title IX, equal treatment. Yep. Which they're not getting treated equally. Exactly. <laughs> what the NCAA did was bullshit. You yep. sitting here telling me that they, they had all that space. That they couldn't use weights, like women don't lift weights. Women lift weights all the time. Yeah. Trust me. So, so those get women, the- those <laughs> women that play college basketball, could probably lift more weights than the average man that sit there on their keyboard, fake tough guys all day, bashing yeah. women and talking. About, oh, what about the revenue? Oh, what? like please, let's get that out the way, man. Like I'm, I get tired of um the trolls and these, like you said, these dumbass fans. Yeah, going at it needs to be Sarah, said. Going at Bashai, uh Sheena. Who, whoever, hell, going at, like, even these idiots, they be trolling Doris Burke. I see it on Twitter all the time. Doris Burke is probably one of the the best basketball minds on TV. Mm -hmm. always enjoy listening to her commentary. And there's plenty of other female commentators I enjoy listening to because they just know the game of basketball. Like, at the end of the day, you either know the game or you don't. I don't care if you're a man, a woman, whatever. If you know the game, you know the game. If you don't know the game, you don't know the game. And half these trolls, like you said, they can't even make a left-handed layup or dribble with their left hand.
0: Yeah, it's ridiculous, it's man. Like it's pathetic, it's just bro. I've I've seen it for far too long. A lot of times, like I won't say certain things on social media because a lot of times these people are doing what they're doing to get a reaction from you. So of course they're going to be a troll, but just there's a limit on what you got to say sometimes, man. And like literally everything Kiara said so far has came to fruition. Like it's it's happened. Like literally players are transferring, the stuff is going down, and you're going to her head because she's doing her job. The same thing that happened to so with Vashai – We're covering almost every sport in Carolina, uh, specifically the Carolina Panthers. Like these, they do this for a living. So they know what they're talking about. You may you can honestly not agree with everything they say. That's a part of being a human being, but don't discredit them for doing their job. When they're doing their job, they're taking the right avenues and the right protocols to report this type of stuff, man. Like what happened with the women's and women's college basketball is just a damn disgrace. You had a couple dang on dumbbells and yoga mats and said, this is their workout equipment. But what's crazy is that after a public outroar and public cry from them not having the right equipment, what's crazy is overnight they had a complete weight room for the women's college basketball players. That's that's just ridiculous. That shows you that it took for you hearing people lose their minds and go off at y'all, rightfully so, because you gave them some bullshit for workout equipment.
1: Exactly, man. It's
0: ridiculous, man. Cause it I mean, really is.
1: Cause like, no cap, bro. Like, I think it was right after the Carolina game. I think Vashtar tweeted that Roy got out coached, which he did get out coached. I yeah. mean, Wisconsin was more prepared to play. Their players are more ready to play. Their schemes are just better than our schemes. You know and I mean they tore us a new one and some idiot tried to go at her and she handled it with class because she handled it a lot better than I would. Cause I actually yeah. wanted to say something, but I was like, nah, let me chill. Let me chill. Yeah. Let me chill. I was about to go at this dude, but she put him in his place with class or so she you know it's ridiculous how yeah, these she told trolls- him she, she
0: told him she gets paid to do what she does what she does and she does a hell of a job for it and it's just i'm just sick of it man like we don't say a lot of things on twitter because we know that you know we know who we represent but if this was like the old t and royal a lot of these dudes be catching phase on regular bro. like it just it is what it is man i'm just, I'm just sick and tired of it to be honest with you because yeah, it's, it's a bunch of dumbasses man. out here it really yeah, is
1: end of the day man have these trolls they can't play ball and they can't fight and yeah. they can see crazy, they us at the boxing gym they really felt you know if they ever fell a type of way you can meet me at the boxing gym because me and you exactly. used to box and we know we know how to throw some hands let's just we'll keep, we'll keep it at that but anyways man um one crazy situation to another man we got the king of charlotte went down with a fractured wrist on saturday night man a devastating blow for the Hornets and their playoff chances. Um, They could still possibly most likely be in a play-in game scenario. But, I mean, and I mean this with no pun included, but, man, LaMelo Ball going down is a buzz kill. Yes. It's a buzz kill, man.
0: That's an understatement. And then you have another dumbass, D'Angelo Russell, Mr. Rat himself, Mr. Snitch himself, going on social media after – the announcement of LaMelo Ball potentially facing a season-ending season risk injury. And this dumbass goes on social media and sits there and says, he just like a little cough emoji, rookie of the year, Anthony Edwards. Who I respect. For, like, I love Anthony Edwards' game. Don't get me wrong whatsoever. I thought that he was the only person that would give LaMelo a run for his money when it came to the rookie of the year boats. But to sit here and make that type of tweet after the announcement of LaMelo going down for potentially the rest of the season – when this has been like arguably he's arguably he's the biggest thing in Charlotte since Cam Newton, Super Bowl MVP run. Like, it's just, it is what it is. And for you to have that type of insensitive, like to be so insensitive about the whole notion that a player of his caliber who gets praises from NBA veterans from the media, like he's the biggest thing in Charlotte since Cam. And to, you know, we've been on here many times saying that, you know, LaMelo should have been playing from the get go. Like, you know, you don't learn – you learn from your mistakes. You don't sit there and bench a player because he has a couple of turnovers like Borrega who said, you know, earlier this season that, hey, if he's not offering me nothing on the defensive end, you know, like what are you doing for me lately? But at the same time he said that statement, LaMelo is leading the damn team in steals. Like don't don't get me started, bro. Like I got facts to back all this stuff up. Like it's, it's just ridiculous that you have a dumbass who goes on social media who has a history of saying dumb stuff and just tweets something like that. Like T, give me your thoughts on the whole situation, man.
1: All right, bro. I'm going to turn
0: my line on real quick. I'm sorry. Keep going. I'm listening to you.
1: I'm going to say something, and I hope I don't get in trouble. But it needs to be said. And, you know, we kind of have some free reign to say what we want. And I don't usually go off like this. But I'm going to say something about D'Angelo Russell real quick. I think D'Angelo Russell is a bitch-ass nigga, bro. (laughs) Straight up. And I hope I don't get in trouble for saying that. But that's just how I feel. How dare you. Tweet that right after a guy gets injured. Now that's one thing that I just don't that I get really upset about. When people, whether it's fans or whatever, they clap when guys get injured or they say reckless things when guys get injured. There's no place like that in sports. And for D'Angelo Russell, who's been in the NBA since what 2015? Yeah. He should know better. But this is why D'Angelo Russell got ran out of LA. He's a snitch, he's a rat. And he got ran out of LA. And then he kind of had a redemption year in Brooklyn and he balled out. But for you to sit there and tweet like that, like Minnesota's done anything. Like, first of all, let's be real Minnesota is the most abysmal franchise in the NBA right now. The Houston Rockets have lost 20 games in a row. And guess who has a better record than Minnesota? <sighs> the Houston Rockets. Like, That's how bad Minnesota is. They need to move that team to another city or they got to find new ownership. KG needs to buy that team. Somebody needs to buy that team. Minnesota's abysmal. There's no excuse for Minnesota to be that bad. When you got Carleton Towns, a number one overall pick, DeAndre Russell was a number two overall pick, and you had Anthony Edwards, the number one overall pick. You had Jimmy Butler, but soft-ass Towns and whatever, and Jimmy Butler just couldn't take it, man. And he couldn't take the softness with the ownership and the team, and they were coddling people on that team. And he says – Remember, I was going to say something. He said, bump this and got the hell up out of it. And we see what he did with Miami. Oh, by the way, Miami is in fourth place in the East. Ever since Jimmy Butler came back from COVID, Miami's been balling. Jimmy Mm -hmm. Butler, he won't get MVP consideration, but he really is a valuable piece to that team. But that's not the point. Uh, Let me get back on topic real quick.
0: You good. (laughs) Just been a little bit.
1: (laughs) Like, Like, how dare you? You are a player. And for you to tweet that. Right after the, my opinion unanimous rookie of the year, absolutely injured is disgusting. It's it's disgusting, and D'Angelo Russell is a cornball. He he always was a cornball, and most likely always will be a cornball. And I'm not even going to give him any more attention. Let's get back to what this means for the Hornets. The trade deadline uh, is Thursday. Mm-hmm. They've been rumored that they've been on the phone about Montrez Harrell. I honestly don't know what we're going to give up for Montrez Harrell. I don't know what the Lakers want from us. Um, But I don't even know if the Lakers are even answering the phone calls from us. But moving forward, I just don't know what this team is going to do at the trade deadline or the buyout market. It's a roster spot available. You pay Gordon Hayward about $25, $30 million a year. You Pay Terry year almost 20 million dollars a year. This team is still going to try to go for the playoffs. Borrego had an interesting comment, and I know you want to um tee off on this comment. Um, and if you want to tee off, go ahead bro, and tell people what he said the other day.
0: So, let me let me make this quite clear because I was reading some comments, and a lot of people, for the majority, the vast majority of people, I read comments yesterday on social media, they were sharing the same sentiments I did, including um one of the beat writers for the Charlotte Observer, who he wasn't as harsh as I was about my statement, but I felt like, you know, it needed to be said. Um, this is my opinion on Borrega. Um, Borrega has a little small history of making dumb decisions when it comes to um, whether that's rotations within the Hornets' offense or, um, in my opinion, being a yes man. So this is my problem I have. Mitch Kupchak, who his notion has always been building through the draft, actually went out through – free agency, I criticized the pick of Gordon Hayward, you know, paying him that much was always my disagreement with the whole, um, you know, signing of Gordon Hayward paying him 25, 30 million per year. But my issue was, um, you know, not, if you're going to go big, go big, don't sit here and pay somebody that much money. But Gordon Hayward has completely shut me up. I'll be the first to admit he has definitely, he has definitely um, lived up to expectations. Um, he's earning every dollar that he's being paid this year. My problem, I have a comment as far as LaMelo Ball has been in the beginning of the season, and I alluded to it at the beginning of this podcast, was him saying LaMelo Ball didn't offer anything defensively where he was leading the team in damn steals. Mm-hmm. A second thing I had was him telling the Charlotte Observer and the media that he doesn't have any say-so on who the Hornets go pick. His exact statement was, I coach who's in front of me. What the hell is your damn problem? That, that, that's number one. That, that's number one. I coach who's in front of you. So if you coach who's in front of you, you it's almost like you're just being a yes man. Like anything – and I think he, he went even further and said that, oh, um, i let Mitch check in the front office deal with all those other situations. You mean to tell me that you don't have any damn say-so on who the team is even looking at? There's other big-time free agents out here that you can go sign. You still have a little bit of cap room. I think what four, four to seven million dollars to use. You can also sign veterans to the mid-level exception yep. after a trade deadline, which is this Thursday.
1: Yep, the You've had mark. an
0: open roster spot. You've had an open roster spot on your team for the last several weeks. The Hornets rank like top, like dead, almost not dead last, but like towards the bottom of the league in um, rebounding. I think they're like yep. middle of the pack.
1: Yeah, we're off of rebounding, man. Yeah,
0: they have no type of interior presence. You had Cody Zeller, who was hurt for a while. You had Bismack, who's not even an offensive threat. He's more of a defensive rim protector. You had no type of interior threat at all. That's the name. That's like the main piece missing for the Hornets to make a deep playoff run. With the right, we know basketball is all about matchups. If the Hornets get into the playoffs and they have a healthy lineup, with a – solid type of interior presence, they can, in the right type of matchup, they can, they can make some more it. noise. Yeah, they can win a series. This type it. of Hornets team is very unconventional where you haven't seen nothing like this since almost Magic Johnson where a kid that comes in here they can move the rock like he moved the rock, 90 feet. I mean, it's just, you haven't seen nothing like this. Lomelo Ball has been living up to expectations, and you have this coach that just almost is just lackadaisical, just doesn't, doesn't give a damn at times, in my opinion, and just says dumb shit. Like, this. dude, you're an NBA head coach. You have some type of decision-making. You're, I mean, that's what you do. You make decisions. You make roster changes. You make roster lineups. You have a say-so of who the Hornets can go, go out here and go get it. I may not agree with this pick, but I heard them mention Marvin Bagley at times. Uh, mentioned, um, mentioned um, – what's the other guy? Uh, Hassan Whiteside at times. I mentioned DeMarcus Cousins, who DeMarcus Cousins, in my opinion, doesn't really fit the mold in Charlotte as far as well, the pick-and-roll because he can't really guard the pick-and-roll.
1: But Miles, he can shoot. Miles turner been mentioned in trade. Yeah. Miles uh, turner uh, been Collins He's on the trade market, but you don't have to give up a lot to get a John Collins. Yeah, it's just the the spot's
0: been over for, for so long that for you to just be so nonchalant about it, just saying, "Oh, I just I coach who's in front of me. I let Mitch check make those type of decisions." That's just dumb, man. It's it's just dumb. It almost shows like you just being a yes man. Oh, like hey, I'm letting Mitch handle everything. I'm just here to coach. That's the type of attitude, type of vibe I got from it because he's just like, "Okay, I'm here to coach. I'm doing my job. Hey, you know, let's go. You know, let's go chill. Let's go eat." Like. That's, that's bull crap, man. Do your job. Make some decisions. Help make some right decisions with the GM office. Like, go get somebody to help your team because right now you lost your MVP and your rookie of the year, NBA rookie of the year, in my opinion, who's going to be out potentially the rest of the season. And I think you're sitting in the AC right now. If you make the top ten, you get a shot for a playing game. Like, make some moves because right now, if they had to make a decision about who they're going to keep between LaMelo Ball, when his contract is up, and keeping you, we know where your ass is going. You don't. Yep. you wouldn't – you would never – Nobody in their right mind would keep you over keeping the mellow Let's just call it like it is, man. You better stop being so nonchalant, so like That's my issue with the whole comments that he made. Is it seems like he just like, you know, I coach the team, I'm here just to do my job. Like, that's bull crap, man. Yeah, be a coach,
1: yeah, be man. a leader, be a leader and man. Yeah, don't make
0: it run for the playoffs. And don't give me that BS that I've been seeing some dummies on Twitter talking about. Some oh, let's go ahead and just tank the rest of the season. Nah. The Hornets had made a playoffs in the last four years. The last time I made a playoffs, purple, purple shirt guy, excuse my language, purple shirt guy. I'm gonna leave it alone. Go ahead, T. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done.
1: Oh, don't get me started, man. But, um, yeah, so the Hornets are an eighth. I'm, I just confirmed that. But here's the issue. And while the Melville now is bad, we still got to play the Spurs tonight and then we play Houston, and then we come home for two games. We play Miami, who probably wants to beat our ass after we beat them in Miami earlier this year in overtime. Mm -hmm. Then we play Phoenix. We know how good Phoenix is. Phoenix is number two in the West right now. Yeah. Chris Paul looking good. And then after those two home games, we go on the road for six games. We are only a game ahead of Indiana and Chicago – right now so we're only a game from being eight dropping all the way down to 10 which is the cutoff for the playing game and then toronto is lurking about two and a half games behind indiana chicago but if we don't get our act together we could fall out of the playoffs entirely pretty quick because toronto is a veteran team i know they're not playing well but if toronto ever got their act together we know what they can do yeah the finals um, a few years ago and they got went deep into the playoffs last year. So, I mean,
0: and that's with all the trade talk surrounding Cal Larry and Miami. Like, yeah, I mean, that's all I've been seeing on social media is a man, you know, NBA Twitter, Cal Larry's uh, reportedly um, is a big time interest in Miami. I mean, you add him with that type of, with that type of lineup in Miami with Jimmy Butler and, and Dragic and you can, Duncan Robinson and Tyler Robinson, the shooters they have. I mean, it's just.
1: Yeah, man. And, you know, I was fortunate enough to go see LaMelo play last Monday before his injury. Um, My mom and I were able to go watch him play, and it was a joy. The fans were really into it. It felt like, even though it was only 3,000 fans, it felt like it was a full house because people were really into the game because mm-hmm. it's the LaMelo ball effect, man. Like, Even on NBA TV, like I was watching um, Brooklyn and the Wizards play on NBA TV yesterday for a little bit. And then right after the game went over, there was breaking news, the Mellow Ball's out. And even on NBA TV, they said that when they show Hornets games on NBA TV, the ratings go up. We know why they go up. When they post an article about the Mellow Ball, they get more clicks. We know exactly why they get more clicks. The Hornets have not had this much pub in years, probably since they've been back in Charlotte after they moved. They actually added four national TV games in the second half of the season – for the Hornets, including the TNT and the an ESPN game. Now, how often are the Hornets on TNT and ESPN in the same Never, hardly. Season? Even with Kimball Walker, we were rarely on both of those networks yeah. in the same season when it wasn't it's a playoff crazy. game. But when I, I saw something on that game last Monday when we played Sacramento, one, we were getting absolutely killed in the paint. Mm-hmm. Two, this team just hasn't really looked. Like, they, they haven't played with the same energy, the same joy that they had before the All-Star break. They came back from the All-Star break. They look sluggish against ah, – I forgot who they played. It was Toronto. Mm-hmm. They came out of the game. They look sluggish for Toronto, but okay, fine. It's post-All-Star. Mm-hmm. Guys have been off a week. Probably haven't really practiced because, you know, COVID protocols and safety protocols and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I'll give them a pass for looking bad against Toronto, even though they won the game. Sacramento game was a struggle, but we were able to pull it out. But we just haven't looked the same – since the All-Star break, the rotations haven't been quite the same. I know Graham came back, so he's got to re himself into the offense, and some other guys' roles have been diminished a little bit, and you can tell by their body language and the way that they're playing. They're not playing the same aggression. I'm not going to say names, but y'all could probably figure it out. We, y'all could figure it out who I'm talking about. But- playoff
0: basketball, we know playoff basketball, the pace and game slows down tremendously, especially in a half-court set. And the Hornets, this is just my big-time issue I've had with the Hornets majority of the season is not having an interior presence in the post, um, especially when you have a ro- an open roster spot where you couldn't have went to go get somebody or, you know, potentially trade, you know, traded somebody, assets, whatever the case may be. Like, it's just you have that spot open. Your team is, like, one of the worst teams in the Eastern Conference, if not all the NBA, on the interior. You have no type of viable threat on the interior. And then you sit here and tell – the media and folks that um you know your coach who's in front of you you have two rookies who can give you some type of production like they're not gonna get better than I getting any playing time they're getting playing time like in a G League and stuff but like give them you know two minutes here four minutes there like let them get their feet wet just a little bit like it's just yeah, man,
1: especially not to cut you off bro, but especially mm-hmm. oh, excuse me I'm sorry just eight but, no, we got absolutely drugged by the Clippers the other day.
0: Yeah, but, like, 30. Why,
1: why not get Vernon Carey and uh, Nick Richards to yeah. Run? Hell, exactly. LaMelo's down. Uh, Grant Riller, get, get him in the game. Yeah. Because, I mean, the Hornets right now, we're going to start Graham. We're going to start Rozier. Monk's going to be the first guard off the bench. And after Monk, who's going to be that other guard off the bench? And who's the backup point guard? I mean, you're gonna have to either stagger Terry in Graham's minutes, or you have to throw some monk at the point, which he can play the point a little bit, but we know he's more of a two guard. Mm-hmm. So I mean, you know, that we're gonna have to figure out the rotations again. And, yeah. Um This is bad for Charlotte, man. Yeah, man. Like it's bad. It's and bad. Then we gotta, you know, we gotta go on the road after this two game homestand later this week. I mean, I looked at the schedule. We gotta play Milwaukee on the road, Brooklyn on the road, Indiana. Um Forgot the other teams off the top of my head. But, I mean, those games aren't like Brooklyn. You see what Brooklyn's been doing without KD? And they say yep. KD might come back next week. And they just got Blake Griffin going. And Blake Griffin, by the way, finesse Detroit. This man hasn't dunked oh since 2019. God. His first basket, he drove down the lane, two-hand dunk. Now, that man finesse Detroit. But You see I'm
0: Harden's numbers?
1: Yeah, Dave Harden.
0: You see Harden's numbers, like, the last 10 games. It's He's got to be the MVP conversation. I still yeah. think if LeBron was – Fully healthy for this whole season. Don't get me started on that whole injury. If he was healthy playing how he's playing in year what year eighteen I think. Yeah, eighteen. Year year eighteen. I mean, but Harden Harden's numbers like I said this when this trade went down for them to bring Harden to Brooklyn, man. They're going to be tough to beat, man. It's just yeah, they're going to be tough, man.
1: And like adding Blake Griffin gives them more depth in their front court. Yeah, he can be he can be a point four. I mean, hell, you could run Blake at point. He can pass yep. the ball. That's what. That's probably his best skill set right now is his passing. Um, you got DeAndre
0: Jordan grabbing rebounds, getting second chance points. Yeah. You got all three: Kyrie, Harden, and Durant are all marksmen from deep or in on the interior. Like Joe Harris. They walk in buckets.
1: Yeah, you No. The- Harris. Bruce Brown's been playing pretty well. Nicholas Claxton's playing well. He's a rim protector. Yeah. A athletic rim protector. I mean, Brooklyn's gonna be hell. But you're right, Ro. I mean, with LeBron James, who was the co-front runner for MVP along with Joe Embiid. Both of them have went down the last week or two. I yeah. mean, MVP race is wide open. That's going to really going to be interesting to see what happens in the NBA the second half of the season. The MVP race is wide open. Embiid is down, LeBron is down. You got Harden, you got Chris Paul, you got uh Jokic. I mean, you you got a lot of guys that could really make a strong case for MVP now with uh the injuries going on, but Harden right now taking out LeBron and taking out Embiid because they're injured, I would put Harden at the top right now, just what he's been doing. Because, I mean, Kyrie's been in and out of the lineup too, and Brooklyn's still. Mm -hmm. I think Brooklyn's won like 15 out of the last 16 games. Yeah. And a lot lot of that's just James Harden, man. Like, Durant really hasn't played in a lot of those games. So, Mm -hmm. it's going to be interesting, man. Um,
0: I'm going to say this, T, before we close. I'm going to do my final thoughts. Um, Just a new little segment that we'll do to close the show. I'm going to let you get your final thoughts too. But um, it's something that I wanted to – hit on because I know that UNC, I know that, you know, the school and everything they're going through today has been kind of hard on, especially the basketball fans, the alumni, um, and and more importantly, the players. But um, this is my thoughts. It's several things I've been seeing today that um, I can see why players and families and fans feel a certain way. But what I want to hit on for my final thoughts is um, Roy Williams is not going anywhere. And let's just, let, let's just stop that chatter. I, I put it on Twitter um, because whenever UNC, you know, either gets bounced, you know, either gets bounced early in a tournament or has a down year, which, you know, the last two years, you can make an argument that, yeah, these are probably the worst two years under the Royal Williams helm at UNC um, before taking over, I think, from Doherty, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Royal Williams is not going anywhere. Nope. Um, he's won this team three national titles. Um, the five he's year in, year it? out competing for a national title. Um, he's get, he's just now starting to get recruits under his belt, which is you know, can be argued about the talent and you know the chemistry and just having veterans under his helm. But let's make one thing for sure clear. He's not going anywhere. Um, yeah. before the late Dean's um, Dean passed away, he passed over his horse to Royal Williams. Will Williams has bought three titles to UNC. Um He's had potential to get four or five in like the last ten years, um, and you know whenever you have a down season, it just you don't just jump ship. Yeah, he needs to adjust. But what coach doesn't? Every coach has had that kind of spring or that kind of run where hey, they had to adjust to the environment that has been brought upon himself.
1: Hell,
0: um, coach coach K, K has adjusted. Adjust. Yeah, Coach K has adjusted. Uh, uh, Tony Bennett has adjusted drastically. Uh, um, must the Villanova coach? Jay Wright. Jay right. yeah, I mean. You, you adjust. You adapt, you adjust. Sometimes you may not – sometimes you want to be stubborn and be stuck in your old ways, and that can hurt you to a point, but you ultimately will adjust. Roy Williams will adjust. He sees what's going on, what's transpired. He wants to keep the recruits coming in. He wants to keep building on his dynasty at UNC. But to sit here and think that somebody else is going to come in and take over for Williams for, for Roy for what he's done at UNC – Hell no. That's not happening, man. Like it's, it's not happening. You don't just go out the street and just go get a coach and say, Hey, come coach at UNC. It's not that easy. It sounds good, but it's just not going to happen at all. Give Roy a break. Give him a break. He's going to adapt. He may have made promises. That's not, you know, not been verified or validated, but he might have made promises or maybe over-recruited. It happens. It's college basketball. This year, the transfer, you know, the transfer portal is going to be bigger than ever. You got over several hundred players right now that's trying to transfer potentially. And the NCAA tournament's not even over yet. They're going to be, they're going to bring players in. It's going to happen, but give them time. He's going to adjust. I don't agree with some of the decisions. Of course the UNC fans aren't going to agree with it. My man T's been saying this for the last couple of months over a year now that they have to adapt. It's going to happen, but give them a break, man. I understand your frustration. I understand you. You know, you just lost to Wisconsin recently. You want to make a run. It's basketball, man. Any team get hot in a tournament. Any team get hot. It's March Madness for a reason, man. And a one-game elimination is bound to happen. But Roy will adjust, so give him a break, man. That's all I'm saying.
1: Um, I guess my final thoughts are: I'm just going to, you know, we talked about what's been going on lately, so I'm going to talk about moving forward. What UNC can do to remedy some of the ills that are going on in the program. One, which, you know, we talked about earlier, player development. I think player development is on the player and the coach. I think it's maybe 60% coach, 40% player. I mean, the coaches have – it has to be better. I mean, David Noel on his podcast said it. Even Joel Berry said it. A lot of former players feel that way. Player development has to be better at UNC. Um, there's no excuse for guys to be there three or four years and they're not getting better or you're not seeing noticeable change in their skill sets. That's unacceptable. Um, You know, when we coached, we every, at the end of the year, you and I used to do a thing where we really make about five bullet points, whether it was conditioning or skill, things that our guys needed to work on to improve when they got to the next level when they left us or they came back and played with us another year. The player development has to be better. The second thing I think that needs to happen is that this is a whole new generation of kids. This is the AAU culture. We need a assistant coach to either and preferably a younger one. We need to bring a young assistant coach that can relate to these guys. Mm-hmm. Cuz it's it's one thing to connect with yep. players but it's a whole other thing to relate to a player. We need oh man somebody yep. to relate to these guys, yep. not connect with them but relate to these guys. Somebody that these guys can feel comfortable with, you Absolutely. know. Absolutely. It's kind of like the good cop back out, you know, in our coaching staff, you know, we have, you know, when we coach at GDS, yep. you
0: know,
1: my dad was the bad cop and we were the good cops because we could relate to those younger guys. We could kind of feel where they're coming from. We just went through what they're going through. Mm-hmm. We need somebody like that on our staff. Or I feel like somebody's on the staff right now that could be that guy. And Kendall Marshall, he has mm-hmm. the basketball mind. He knows the modern game. He, you know, he played in the NBA not too long ago in the G League. He knows what the modern game of basketball is like. And culture. Yeah, culture. he knows the culture. Mm-hmm. He's very smart. He's a point guard. Obviously, you got to be smart to play point guard. Mm-hmm. I feel like Kendall – needs to get in Roy's ear more, step up, be more assertive, Mm -hmm. maybe try to get Roy to change up a few things, take what he learned when he was in the NBA for a little bit and bring that to the program, and also to connect with these guys. Because I feel like our coaching staff doesn't connect – I mean, not connect, excuse me, relate Mm -hmm. to these guys. And when you're dealing with – today's player could we coach AAU not too long ago we know it's like in the mm-hmm. AAU culture you got to be able to relate to these guys we really want to you know get their attention and get them to do what they gotta do mm-hmm. because these guys have egos they have pride they got people in their ear they got their parents in their ear social media social media yeah there's a lot more that the modern player has to deal with especially in college than they did 10 15 years ago before twitter and mm-hmm. facebook and instagram um, and then recruiting. We got to do a better job of recruiting. If you're going to bring in guys, you got to really make sure that they're good fit. You got to really – if you're going to tell them that they're going to do a certain role, you, you got to make sure that that's happening and not just sweet talk to get them to come to your program. Because remember, Kessler was supposed to go to Duke. Duke was on Kessler hard.
0: Yeah, and, they were. He was in their living room. Remember, remember he posted a picture of Coach K in his living room. Like, yeah.
1: And I don't know what Roy said or what UNC or the coaching staff said to get him to flip, but he did flip from Duke to UNC.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so, yeah, recruiting is going to be big. We got to make sure we recruit a roster where if you're going to have two bigs, one of those bigs has to be able to shoot. Like, that's his imperative. Like, mm-hmm. regardless of Roy changes his system, his offensive schemes or whatever, his defensive schemes – you got to find guys that just fit the modern game. You can't have two traditional bigs out there calling up the paint. It doesn't work, man. It mm-hmm. also makes it harder to guard the three. Because one thing that you will see struggling with this year, and what was their Achilles heel on Friday night against Wisconsin, they don't guard the three and they don't make the three. And if you can't mm-hmm. guard the three-point line or make threes in today's game of basketball, you will not be far in the yep. NCAA tournament, the NBA, whatever, any level of basketball, really. So m- maybe a few philosophical Changes, a couple of schematic changes. Um, maybe you know, having a guy that can relate to these young guys. I mean, this is definitely an eye opener for Roy Williams. I don't think he's ever been through this at Kansas or at UNC. Mm-hmm. I think Roy will hopefully not be stubborn. One thing about older people, you know, and I know they can be stubborn and stuck in their ways. Hopefully, he's adaptable. Like mm-hmm. you said, we've seen other coaches adapt. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you see it in the NBA. A lot of coaches adapt. Um, Cause
0: know, what happens when you don't adapt? And not saying it's not for necessarily Rule Williams situation, but we know what happens when you don't adapt. We know what happened. Hell, in life. So what What have you done for me lately? Type of type of ordeal. Not just necessarily talking about the Rule Williams situation specifically, but that's life in general, man.
1: Like it, you got whatever exactly. situation. You know. You know. We a year. Well, a year and a half ago, who would have known we've been in a pandemic and we'd be working from home and doing all the stuff that we're doing now, but we had to adapt. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, if you don't adapt, you're going to be left behind. And, if you, you know, if UNC doesn't want to be left behind and they want to get back to the Final Four and winning championships, they're going to have to adapt. So. That's true, man.
0: That's true. Hey, everybody, man, that's going to conclude today's show for Two Shades of Blue podcast. Once again, my name is Royal Howell. My fantastic co-host, uh, Terrence Hatchett, man. We want to thank everybody for tuning in today. Um, you know, excuse some of the language we got kind of, you know, emotional about certain topics, but I think that's kind of needed when um, talking about sensitive subjects. Um, but just know at the end of the day, man, we love sports. Uh, we love working for Carolina Blitz, man, and we here to do what we do, man. And that's the two shades of blue. Thank you.